Welcome to the Voice of the Soul podcast. I'm Lenny Guerin, and this is Empowered Living. Tonight's topic is the school of life, a reason for everything. This is another one of those topics for those of you who have been listening and following along that I will say I do quite regularly and I believe is one of the most important topics that I do. It's probably one of the more controversial ones because of the nature of what it is and the fact that it includes reincarnation. And many people have a tendency to get a little bit edgy or um, maybe defensive in some cases when you mention reincarnation. However, I do want to state that I believe that more and more people are open to listen to the concepts of reincarnation and to adopt them as a way of life or at least an understanding of life that makes sense. If we truly can grasp the fact that there is a plan and we're not just randomly thrown out to the cosmos, then we can truly understand why things happen, even negative things, sometimes especially negative things. But it's really us being able to understand our role in reincarnation and what it means. The school of life is an allegory. And for the most part, the story itself or the examples I'm going to use are ones that I have adopted when I'm trying to explain reincarnation and how it works because reincarnation can go from one extreme to the next. I do not believe that humans will come back as animals or animals will come back as humans. And I don't have a Hindu belief in Buddhism, which is quite diverse and, um, a Buddhist belief in reincarnation. There's various different types. There are some that are far more, uh, Western, I would have to say that dovetail into our spirituality or our religion that doesn't seem as difficult. And there are people who will actually quote out of the canonical Bible, which is the King James Bible or any Bible that is considered the authoritative version of the Bible, different passages that, that say that there is reincarnation even out of Jesus's mouth. But what matters most is what you feel. And anytime you listen to a podcast or you listen to a subject that I'm sharing, it's important that you ask the inner self of you, the divine self of you that is connected to your higher wisdom to translate and to allow you to receive information that connects with you and feels right and anything else, just shake it off. I'm a human like everybody else, although I believe strongly that I am a spiritual being in a human body on a spiritual journey, and so is everybody else. But I have my own version and definition of things, and it's why I share, because I think sometimes it helps. It helps people overcome tragedies and difficulties and to get up and do another day and to dig further and further into why things happen and to grasp the opportunity that we are all divine beings on a journey here, a journey of growth, a journey of discovery, and a journey of purpose. And with all of that, I believe there needs to be a divine plan. And I don't mean a pre-ordained predetermined plan. I mean a pre-designed plan and they're completely different. That means a plan that was created for us to come and fulfill and we were part of creating that plan. And in doing so, we are empowered to be able to succeed or fail at that plan because we're empowered to choose. So no one is choosing for us. We are choosing for ourselves. So that's where the predestined type of belief leaves me completely and believe, I believe it's pre-designed. As far as reincarnation is concerned in America, in doing some research just to see, you know, where we sit with other countries. Now, obviously, um, heavier Buddhist countries will have a greater belief in reincarnation or Hindu countries and you know, based on their own philosophy, religion can dictate a stronger belief in reincarnation. I was quite surprised, however, to find out 
and it was actually printed in the New York Times, I believe, in 2012 or 2015, one of the two, by what's called the PEW Forum, which is a philosophy and religion forum, uh, doing a statistical research that 25% of all Americans believe in reincarnation and 23% of all Catholics believe in reincarnation. Now, some people really, really have a hard time with that because they'll turn around and say, you can't be a Christian and believe in reincarnation. And for me, if you are a very diverse Christian and you study diverse teachings of Jesus's life here on this earth plane and not just stay stuck in the canonical Bible and you allow yourself to study whatever comes to you that feels great and connects with you, you'll find that reincarnation just makes absolute sense. It isn't, it isn't possible for me to take a concept that we were born here for 60 to 90 years these days. And in that period of time, we get married or we go to school, we get married, we have kids, um, we grow old, we die. And then some guy with a long beard is up there checking off who goes to heaven, who goes to hell. It just doesn't make any sense. And along with that whole philosophy, there are many things that don't make any sense, which over time I will pick topics and break down what doesn't make sense and why. There are multiple teachings in the Gnostic teachings, which were the disciples that had written their own version of Jesus's life, or actually a lot of them didn't write. So they had people writing for them, but they taught in stories and sitting down in meetings and sharing what they believed Jesus was here to teach us. And in the canonical Bible, there really are only two disciples um, that are strongly represented in the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But really, Matthew and um, John are the only disciples. Mark and Luke were scribes, and which means that they basically wrote for um, the disciple that they were translating. Since most people didn't write, most of the disciples didn't write. And there are now believed to be in the Gnostic uh, Gospels, which are protected in the not the Coptic Museum in Egypt where they keep all the Gnostic teachings and this is a whole different subject I'm just giving you a little preview of a background so you know where I'm going with this and in there they have the the uh, codexes that were found in the Nag Hammadi in 1945 near a riverbed in Egypt where there were 13 codexes that believed to be either written or translated by or the stories of the disciples that were not allowed in Constantine's version of what eventually became the Roman Catholic Church's version of the Bible. So in any event, there's lots of missing information from the Bible and it's been translated how many times in how many languages and how many symbols. So you have to look at it, it goes from a symbol to a language, to another language, to a symbol, to another language. It would be like taking Japanese and turning it uh, into Spanish and then turning it into Greek and then turning it back into another symbol like Chinese and then translating it to English and doing that several times and then seeing if the story comes out the same. Because if the Word of God is exactly as is written, then it'd have to go back to the Aramaic Bibles and only keep one Bible and not allow any translations. And all of the translations that have happened over thousands of years can change an entire sentence to mean something different. So anytime you're reading anything or listening to anything, you just have to trust in whatever way you can or communicate with or pray to whatever is your divine attachment to something that is beyond yourself. You can, it can be Jesus. If you want it to be, it can be the great mother Mary, which is his mother. It can be Buddha. It can be Muhammad. It can be any of the archangels. It can be anything that is a divine deity that actually gives you a divine power. Um, I don't usually say higher power so much because sometimes a higher power can be anything beyond us, including addictions and difficulties that become our higher power. But if you use that as your meaning for God, that's fine. 
It doesn't matter if you even call it God. It can be creator, divine mind, universal mind, uh, uh, like I said, uh, divine power, and so on and so on. So talk to that side of yourself as you're listening tonight or today, whatever time you're listening, and ask to only accept or absorb or believe what feels right for you. And in time it might change or this may work for you and you'll go, wow, that makes so much sense. It was really hard for me to feel like I was in a box spiritually and um, I, it required me to search and I searched the origins of the Bible and the teachings of Jesus for close to 30 years before I actually started translating information that made sense to me. And sometimes it was like throwing it all in a mixing bowl and stirring it up and just taking out the parts that worked because there's so much, there are so many teachings about Jesus that I can't believe that one book houses all the truth about who he was and what he did here. And there are some really amazing mystical teachings about Jesus that I absolutely love that would be completely blasphemous. So I just have to say, I don't care if it's blasphemous. It works for me. And if blasphemy works for you, then adopt it. Jesus was the biggest blasphemer of his time. It's why he was persecuted, because he was blasphemous to the orthodox teachings and to the government rule. So he was a pretty blasphemous guy. And his whole thing was to teach enlightenment. And it's believed by many. And there are several books that talk about the comparison sayings of Jesus and Buddha, that he studied Buddhism, because Buddha was born 500 years before Jesus. And many of his sayings and many of his teachings parallel a lot of, of Buddhist teachings. And where does that all dovetail? Well, it dovetails into a place that helps us understand that reincarnation is a possibility. And you can read different things, and you can study different things, but truly the divine voice in you, the voice of your soul, will be the one that will translate and say, you know what, that makes sense to me. It makes sense to me. And many of the quotes that I picked for tonight are a little deeper and more intense, but I am going to end with all the famous people who believe in reincarnation because it's pretty staggering. These amazingly educated people who believe in reincarnation and did their whole lives and people that you would think were just intellects or intellectuals or super religious people or successful people that were uh, rigid in their belief systems, but they weren't. They were very, you know, they were very open-minded. And I believe it's why many of them became so successful. Their belief and many beliefs are that we incarnate many, many times until we master this life. And we bring with us into this life successes and knowledge and wisdom from previous lives. I believe we keep coming back because we have to master our ego that we're born. I'm not going to go back to the original fall of man and why we're here. Let's just talk about now. We were born this lifetime because we didn't finish something last lifetime. And we brought with us and it cracks open out of its own pod, our ego. And the ego is the dark side of ourselves. And that dark side of ourself has run around from lifetime to lifetime to lifetime. And it's been talking in our head and convincing or persuading us to do things that are negative. When it's fully in control, it's an addict. When it is just being a complete distraction and keeping us from our soul path, it's the ego. It's the voice that we hear that causes stress and, and fear and challenges and difficulties. And it's judgmental and it's angry and it's whiny and it's all the worst aspects of human. And when it, when it's converted into an, an addict and leads us down the path of addiction, it's horrible because it's the worst of the worst of, of addicts, whatever that happens to be. I'm finishing up the soul of an addict and the seven spiritual steps to sobriety. And when that's out, that will have a lot of information in it about ego becoming addict. And that that is the part of us that completely disappears from its spiritual purpose and completely attaches itself to living a carnal, materialistic, earthly addicted life. That's part of our karma and addicts 
absolutely come back if they don't master their life. They absolutely will come back if they don't master their ego, their addict, and turn their life over to something more divine. We have to come back if we have not mastered addiction because that in itself is the worst part of being a human is when we let addiction take over and cause us to harm other people, not just ourselves, but other people. So we get a do-over. Let's just say we get a do-over and we come back and we have to come to what is this earth plane. And this earth plane is a school. It's a school of life. And the school of life has courses that we have to take. Now, since I believe that we are able to pre-design this life, I believe it's like sitting down with an advisor before you enter college and you say, I would like to take this class, this class, this class, this class. And the advisors help us decide whether that class is appropriate, whether it's enough, whether we're taking enough credits to graduate. And we create and design the classes we're going to take before we enter the school of life. These advisors let us know, and these are divine beings on the other side of the veil that are actually accessible to us to communicate with, to tap into, to meditate and ask for help our entire life. We have divine beings who watch over us if we will just settle down and ask for help. Many people will find their spiritual connection through meditation, and there is always going to be a, a meditation of some kind that will follow a podcast topic. So there is a reincarnation meditation after the podcast that will take you on a visual journey to understanding reincarnation from the divine side. So beyond this human earth plane, which is the school of life, there is a veil that separates us between here and the heavenly realms. Beyond that veil are the divine ones who are there to help us, who helped us design this life. And it was created based on not only failures and things that we didn't complete, but on purpose and missions and gifts that we have bringing forth a part of us from another lifetime, knowing things that are beyond our human intellect and what we've studied that are gifts that we can share with the world to help the world. I believe the world is in a really chaotic place and it is sending out a calling for souls to incarnate who can help. The kids that are being born this day and age are far more advanced than we were and our parents were and our grandparents. And most of them won't tap into regular religion. And as they get older, if you look at most of the teenagers now, they just, they don't get it. They don't want it. They want something that makes them feel empowered and connected and spiritually driven in a way that is interesting. And it takes a lot sometimes to reach those kids because they're not going to buy into the propaganda that was, you know, our grandparents' propaganda. They're going to buy into whatever helps them feel inspired. And many, many, many young people that I've worked with truly understand the concept of reincarnation and don't even question it, especially when I talk about it in, in the school of life way, which is, okay, you chose to come back here to finish classes because you dropped out of school. If we create the classes that we want to take in college because we want a particular degree and we don't finish those classes and we're short on credits, we don't pass. And it's the same with life. We sit down with these higher advisors on the other side and say, okay, I didn't finish this, 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 and this. I absolutely surrendered to my ego and let it master my life last time. And I really turned into a jerk and I was an addict. So I want to fix that. And so they sit down, they help us create the classes that we need to take in order to master the things that we failed the last time around. It's a basic concept to think or to talk about, but to wrap your entire being around, it's a little bit more complicated. But if you just look at the fact that your life is a school, the challenges that happen in your life are classes and they're classes that you came here to take and to master. When you have a huge challenge, 
that comes out of nowhere is like a pop quiz. If you have something monstrous that happens to your life that threatens your very being and everything you believe in, then it's a pretty big test that you're having to take in order to pass that class, whatever it may be. Addiction is one of the biggest classes we come here to to master, but there's many. There's relationships, how we treat people, um, if we're selfish, if we're a taker, um, if we're uh, a dominant person who completely takes advantage of other people or we're a whiner and we play victim in order to get what we want. Any kind of negative human pattern that we use that is connected to the ego is a failed part of who we are as a personality that we need to overcome. And so the tests and the challenges keep coming to keep addressing that side of ourselves until we don't give it any power anymore. And the ego and the addict can't persuade us to do things that stop our progress in this life or hurt us or someone else. So those classes that come are in many different areas. They could be physical, they could be mental, they can be spiritual, they can be emotional, they can be drugs, they can be uh, behavioral addictions from, you know, food to sex to gambling, spending, alcohol, drugs, and on it goes. So our list relationships is huge. One of our biggest karmas that we come here to work through our relationships. That's where we attach ourselves to a personal relationship that just absolutely is like putting concrete boots on and walking through life looking for love. Um, while those concrete boots keep us anchored to the ground. And those relationships are very karmic. There are sometimes people we've been with in many, many lifetimes that we have continued to give our power to, continued to give them the power to keep us off of our path and to even keep us from finding real love because they're incredibly manipulative. But they also are one of the greatest distractions in us moving forward because so much time is wasted on another person. And I'm not talking sincerely loving someone and sincerely helping someone. I'm talking years and years and years of a relationship going nowhere or the abuses that happen in relationships where you give yourself away and you negate other things you're supposed to do, whether it's taking care of your children or it's moving forward in another part of an education that you could be amazing at. If you have a special gift you're supposed to give the world and this other person just distracts you all the time, you allow that, you choose that, you fail that class. So you take it over and over and over again, and you may take it over and over and over again in this lifetime. And until you die, you have an opportunity to change it. The beauty in, in reincarnation and karma is that you have an opportunity to choose to change. You're empowered to choose. You're empowered to change. That's the mantra that we use all the time in voice of the soul, soul of an addict, anything else that I write. It's all about being empowered. My favorite word ever empowered, empowered to choose, empowered to change. We'll live powerless if we keep letting the ego or the addict take over. But the most important thing we can do is gain self-knowledge so that we can step out of the rut and the pattern of the incarnations that we've had that just keep going over and over and over and over again. And I don't personally want to come back to this earth plane again. Now, there's lots and lots and lots of things I believe that are too out there to bring up yet, but I do believe there's life on other planets. I believe there are other galaxies. I believe that beyond the veil where all the deep and spiritual wisdom is, we can choose to be born somewhere else. So if we master this life and we graduate from this school, we graduate with a degree to help other beings. Now, if we do it right, we're going to graduate from the school of life while we're still alive on this planet so that we can use the gifts that we came here with in order to help this planet heal, whether it's knowledge of how to heal animals or people or the environment or the government or any numerous places. We are given gifts that we carried into this particular school of life that 
allow us to grow and to succeed and to graduate. And their gifts the same as it would be when you go to a really, really good school. If you happen to be going to a really, really good school and it's an Ivy League school, you took a lot of prep classes to get there. And those classes gave you tools. Once we're in college, we already have tools or we wouldn't be there, especially if we take a particular degree. There are prerequisite classes that were involved in us getting into the college that we chose. And those prerequisites were tools that we actually already learned. So we're using those tools in college, which is exactly what we're doing on the earth plane. We're bringing the tools from other incarnations forward into this school of life so that we can take the classes that we dropped out and did not complete and we want to graduate. And if we graduate with a degree in this life, which is overcoming the ego and the addict and all the pulls of the human magnetic earth energy that is so dark, and we actually listen to the voice of the soul and live from a higher realm of consciousness, then we can actually graduate still alive on this earth plane and use our gifts to help people heal or to guide them while they're in school. We then become a professor or an advisor. People that we meet along the way who become our mentors or who have wisdom that will help us uh, might be a therapist. It might be um, someone we meet who is just super spiritually deep and has a lot of really great wisdom. It, it could be a friend who really takes us out of difficulty and shares different things that hold us up while we get through the challenges. Our mentors and our advisors that are here on the earth plane, those are the people who have already graduated to a degree in a lot of areas that they're beyond us. So they're helping us get through class by being an advisor or a mentor. And the divine advisors that helped us create our syllabus, if you will, or whatever it was we were going to take in college, those are divine beings from the other realms. And that's a whole different level. Those are the those are the deans and the professors and the, the people at the hierarchy of school. And they're still available and waiting for us to access the wisdom that they have. And let's just talk about the practicality of reincarnation. If there is such a thing as using practical and reincarnation at the same time, I'm not going to tell you who wrote some of these quotes, if they're too complicated that you won't understand who they are anyway. But this first one is long, so I'm going to read it kind of slow. The holistic doctrine of karma gives us a reason for everything. Karma, as a philosophy, maintains hope in the midst of hopelessness and provides us with the courage to continue our personal evolution. Instead of agonizing over the seemingly unexplainable and often unexpected events in our life, we can use the wisdom of karma as a key to understanding guidance and spiritual growth. This is where blaming circumstances for where we are becomes a huge fail in the quizzes that we're being given. When something happens that is negative, it's important that we try to understand why it might have happened. Sometimes we aren't going to know and we have to just let it go. But if we have the wisdom to actually look at it and say, what is this trying to teach me? And is there something I should have done differently? Is there some way I should have responded or acted differently in this situation? And what could the end result be if I take a different course? If I move off of what is the natural way I would handle something, that I know already is inefficient or just wrong. And if we will do that, then we'll start to understand that there is a cycle of as you sow, so shit is happening. Now we may not remember what that is, but it doesn't matter if somehow inside of us, we accept responsibility for where we got, no matter what it is and no matter who we want to blame, because it's easy to blame. It's easy to point to somebody and say, it's your fault. I got here. 
but what if that was part of the plan because we maybe screwed that person over in another lifetime? And so the contract in this life, the agreement, the commitment in this life is to fix what we broke in another time and to have to feel what someone else felt that maybe we hurt along the lines. And it doesn't mean that the karma is coming from the same person who is hurting us now that we might have hurt them. We might have hurt something completely different. But sometimes those difficult challenges happen because of something we've done. Sometimes it's just part of helping us grow. I don't believe, and this is where I part ways with a lot of the traditional new age um, belief systems, that if you fear something, you bring it upon you. My mother was a wonderful minister and taught incredible teachings about the power of positive thinking and the power of your mind and the power of love. And she was very much a believer in the ability to manifest and create your world through positive thinking and positive belief systems. My father also, they both had very, very par parallel beliefs about the power of the mind. Um, where I parted company in some of that teaching is the flip side is that also all negative things happened because you feared it upon you. Well, I don't believe that. I don't believe that at all. If that were the case, we should just walk through life petrified that we're going to fear something because it's going to happen. Some things, I believe, grow and become more intense and more negative and affect us in a really bad way because we are focusing on the fear and the negativity. Yes, 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 I believe that. I believe we can add negative energy to an already negative situation and we can create a more difficult outcome. And sometimes things we fear will manifest not just because we feared them, but because we repeatedly visualize them into manifestation and we had something to learn. Most of the time, the challenges that happen are tests. They're tests in the school of life that we must pass in order to undo karma that we have created in another lifetime and to pick up tools and or actually sometimes it might have nothing to do with something we did in another lifetime sometimes it's to give us a tool um, an energy a power a knowledge a wisdom that we can share with other people so that those that are hurting that are coming up behind us who might be weaker or might be more afraid or they don't have the same courage or whatever the case is we can reach out and help them because this event happened to us but if we wallow around in the blaming, 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 and it's everybody else's fault and we don't take responsibility for it, you know, a hundred years from now, you're going to be sitting in the same place doing the same thing in a different body. And that's a shocking thought, but it's totally true. If you ever think about meeting someone who you instantly dislike, I mean, instantly, it's like something just blasted against you and you absolutely feel like you have to recoil. That is either karma because you've known that person in another lifetime and it did not go well, or they're projecting a negative energy that comes from their own school of life where, you know, they're, they might be the thug or the bad person or the troublemaker who just carries that kind of energy. And you also, on the other side of that, can meet someone who you instantly feel an attachment to, like you've known them forever. Like they, they instantly meld in your energy and you think, wow, you're like a family to me. We can have a stronger attachment to people who have karmically been connected to us than our own blood relatives that feel like sisters, that feel like brothers, that you know, that are so close that you can't describe why you have so much love for this person. And I'm not talking romantic love, even though that can happen. Then the thought of karma just steps in and reincarnation just makes sense because it's like we incarnate in groups. So we have an opportunity to complete lessons and cycles with the same group of people in another lifetime and in this lifetime. We just have to be aware of keeping our boundaries straight so we're not suffocating another person. 
but learning from each other, loving each other, knowing that our relationships can be eternal and meaning we can reincarnate with that person over and over and over again, not even on the earth, but in other places and other realities, as difficult as that may seem to comprehend. Imagine somebody you truly love and care about that you would like to have by your side through eternity. So when this lifetime is finished, you can go on another journey that is evolved and allows you to go from this school of life to graduate with a master's degree or a PhD so that you can become a teacher in another school of life. You can become a professor. You can become an advisor. You're going up the ladder of hierarchy in the school of life as you graduate from the school with your own classes, complete, finished, and purposeful. And one class is the class of overcoming blame, fear, overcoming fear, looking at fear for what it is. It is the ego's determination to stop you from succeeding. So it's like it gives you all the fake answers to a test. And before you know it, you're failing the test and you realize the ego's chuckling in the corner because it's just made another successful swipe at you. This is a great quote. Karma is the eternal assertion of human freedom. Our thoughts, words, and deeds are the threads of the net which we throw around ourselves. And that's by Swami Vivekananda. Karma is the eternal assertion of human freedom. Our thoughts, words, and deeds are the threads of the net which we throw around ourselves. It's pretty self-explanatory. I love it because it's simple. What's coming out of our mouth, what our behaviors are, and how we react are creating the net that is around us. And that net can either be a divine and powerful auric field that keeps us protected, or it can be chains like we're in prison. And that's based on how we make choices when the karma comes, because it will come. Nothing is left undone. So if you think you were secretly able to accomplish something and you chuck about it in the silence, you know what? You don't run away from the universe, from the divine creator, and from all those divine guides that see through the veil. And karma is a complete, absolute truth that will be seen and reckoned with whether you think you got away with it or not. So if you do something you shouldn't, the best thing to do is to make amends for it as soon as possible and do whatever is necessary to fix it. Because it didn't go away, it actually got worse. And the more you hide and the more you lie and the more you try to get out of it, the deeper and more intense the karma gets. And whatever you did will come back to you a thousandfold. So just know that that part of the school of life is repairing that kind of karma so that you can fix it, whatever it was. It isn't hopeless. It's about having the hope to change the things that we've done that were mistakes. Perfect justice rules the world for the powers that are superior to us know the whole life of the soul and all of its former lives, which is what I'm just talking about. That when we think we have skipped out on paying our dues, there is a power beyond this world that is superior to this world that is keeping track. And it will make sure that we get the credits that we deserve in this school of life or we lose the credits and we have to pay for that by going back, by going back, 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 sometimes by failing out completely, by having to retake courses. But the bottom line is they know. And so there's no sense trying to pretend that it didn't happen. Karma isn't fate nor is it a punishment imposed on us by some external agent. We create our own karma. Karma is the result of the choices that we make every moment of every day. And this is where empowered to choose becomes crucial because karma isn't fate. Whatever choices we've made in the, in the past brought us to this day, whatever they were, whether they were positive choices, negative choices, they were uh, behaviors or 
addictions that hurt other people that hurt ourselves, whatever we did brought us to this point. If we failed the class, we failed it because we cheated on the test or we bypassed the answers or we didn't do the homework. And so if we're failing, we are either complacently skipping along, pretending we don't have to do the homework or we're failing the test because we don't even want to bother working hard enough to succeed. But the truth is it's in our hands. Nobody out there is doing that. We are not being punished by an external deity. There's no dude up there with a long gray beard saying, punish that person for he has sinned. We are our own judge and jury. Now, mind you, the divine ones will create an energy that causes that net that we throw over ourselves so that we don't just skip out because there's plenty of people who don't want to face the things they need to do to fix the challenges that they created. But there is a divine justice, which is when the divine ones on the other side create an energy, which is like a, a wall of steel where you stand there and you have to look at it. And there's this bright light that just is glowing from it saying, you better make the right decision. And so you do, whether you like it or not, the decision comes to you. Each of us is here to discover our true selves, that essentially we are spiritual beings who have taken manifestation in the physical form, that we're not human beings that have occasional spiritual experiences, that we're spiritual beings that have occasional human experiences. And that's Deepak Chopra. And I love most of his stuff. I mean, I love all of his stuff, but some of it isn't as easy to read. But his... He's, he has great quotes and great thoughts, but it's true that we are here as spiritual beings going through a human existence in this school of life to overcome karma and to teach us about our true self so that we can manifest our true self in the physical form. And as we do that, we keep graduating classes and moving up and up and up until we're ready to graduate and we graduate with a master's degree or a PhD. And at that point, the school of life is saying, this is so awesome. You get to graduate now. And once you graduate, as I said, you, the last decade of your life, you may already have your degree. So you're finished with school and now you can just play. You can play, enjoy life and have fun with the degree that you have earned and make a difference in the world politically, spiritually, um, well, in, in a multitude of ways, whatever aspirations that call to you are one of our aspirations that are being taught to you in the school of life for you to use when you graduate. You just have to choose. You have to say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this thing because I know it's going to make a difference. This is by Edgar Cayce, who was really into a lot of intuitive work, and um, he was considered a psychic. Um, he was actually super popular in the 70s, and has a lot of different uh, books out about all different kinds of clairvoyance. And some people thought he was a little bit crazy, but he had some really, really amazing teachings. If you can get past some of the things that people said, but this is one I really like. Actually, we have no problems. We have opportunities for which we should give thanks An error. We refuse to correct has many lives. It takes courage to face one's own shortcomings and wisdom to do something about them. It's true. When we look at the problems as opportunities, we will find that they have a gift in them that we can correct a mistake that maybe has followed us around for a thousand lifetimes. We just don't know. But I'll tell you what, you can see old souls you can see them and you can know who they are and you will gravitate to them. It's the depth of the look of their eyes. It's an energy that is around them. And old souls mean they have incarnated many, many, many times. And this is probably what is called, quote, a last lifer. A last lifer is someone who's figured it out, who is finally a senior in the school of life and they're waiting to graduate and they're done. They've taken all their tests. 
they've they've passed all the tests they've taken classes over and over and over again until they got it right and they have now volunteered to help other students graduate and they are standing there in all of their love and light and glory ready to receive their master's degree their phd their certification and in them is this vibration you can feel it's palpable and when you're around them you just know it there are famous people out there that carry that energy there are actors musicians your neighbor it doesn't have to be someone famous but you can tell the people who are on an ego addict journey versus the people who are on a divine journey to enlightenment. You can just tell whether if you, you put one actor next to another actor and take the one who's totally all about ego and getting attention versus somebody who's a, phila a philanthropist who truly wants to do something that matters in this world. Those are old souls who came here to leave a piece of their light when they graduated. So when they go to the other side, they can then choose a different place to be born and different gifts to share that aren't so difficult. The earth plane is a very, very difficult school. It's like Harvard or Yale or Oxford. It has intensely high requirements to incarnate here. There's a long waiting list and it's very important that those who come here respect that they've been chosen to come here to fulfill their karma and to do something that matters on this earth plane now many people won't fulfill that obligation or make that commitment but that's ideally what we're doing here and anything less means we're going to come back and do it again but the old souls that are out there already who are trying to help us and are trying to help others will guide us if we will let them the old souls being the divine elders of this world who have lived enough lifetimes made enough mistakes finally connected with the voice of their soul and were guided into their enlightened enlightened state and that's what we're all hoping to achieve is to listen to the voice of the soul get rid of the voice of the ego master the ego and the addict and step away into our light so that we can absolutely live a life in the school of life in a divine empowering meaningful way that touches the world and as we do that better things happen to us this is awesome this is by wayne dyer and it's short but it's great how people treat you is their karma how you react is yours i had to literally cram that quote down my own throat for about seven years there's many times i have not been treated very well and i've had to actually drop to my knees and say to the powers that be what the hell have i done in a previous life to deserve this much pain and that was so hard because really I wanted to just get even the ego part of me, the angry ego part of me wanted to get even it would, it would feel good to get even. And in my old days, you know, way back in my younger days, but in, I believe probably in other lifetimes, it was about getting even getting revenge, making sure people realize they better not ever do that to me again. Um, and you know, people do go through a process when they have treated us poorly, where they are going to experience karma, but that's not ours to do. And it's not in our hands to do that. There's a divine justice that takes place when someone hurts us. We need to learn the lesson from the experience and step away because how we react is our own karma. And truly deep down inside, we don't know if we created that karma from a behavior in another lifetime, or it's a lesson that we're going to learn so we can help someone else. It's one of those two things. So if it is, then what we need to do is truly let go of it. No matter how difficult it is, let go of it, forgive it and know that you'll gain divine wisdom 
by allowing it to run its course and to respond to it in the highest possible way you're guided and leave the karma to the other side because whoever hurts us or hurts the people we love or hurts anybody else is going to suffer their own karma to the degree to which is divine justice and no negative, terrible behavioral or any kind of abuse is left undone. So there's always divine justice. The only way we screw it up is jumping in there and thinking we have to be the judge and the jury and the executioner. And when we do that, we get wrapped up in the karma. We don't want to be in that karma. We want to step aside and let that be their karma. And our reaction to it is to let go, move aside and trust that the divine plan and the divine ones will take care of it. And in doing that, we free ourselves from our attachment to whatever it is that's going on. Your believing or not believing in karma has no effect on its existence, nor on its consequences to you. Just as a refusal to believe in the ocean would not prevent you from drowning. I love that. It sounds a little dark, but it's not. Because it's, gonna, it's just telling you that you can choose not to believe in it. You can choose not to believe in reincarnation and you can choose not to believe in karma and it's going to happen anyway. So it would be my advice that you do whatever you can to believe that you're in a school. This is the school of life. Karma is part of the tests that you have to take and it would be in your best interest to try to at least understand that the test you're taking must be passed because it's going to affect you regardless. And when he talks about the consequences of uh, being in the ocean and saying you don't believe in the ocean and yet you can drown, you know, not believing in the ocean is not going to prevent you from drowning. And not believing in karma is not going to prevent you from experiencing it. And there is good karma. You know, there isn't just bad karma. There's good karma. For every good deed, there is a thousandfold blessing. And that's something you want to hang on to. You're not doing good things to love people and be kind to people and to help people and to volunteer or to give of yourself or to become the best person you can be, to master whatever is the are the classes that you're taking so that you can help the world. Those things are you and your connection with good karma so that you get all kinds of certifications and extra extra points and extra credit so that when you graduate you're walking away with a really beautiful degree that is beyond what most people's degrees might be because you gave more you accepted more you grew more it meant more you just didn't lay dormant it was it mattered if you get up every day and you turn on the TV and you just lay around all day because you're complacent and the world blows by and you fail out of school, you're going to come back and do it again. I don't want to come back here. And I don't know too many people who love their life so much. They want to come back here again. Um, if you love it a lot, then just know you can create an even more lovely paradise version of this life and do more positive things for this world if you look at what you can do in graduating here graduating this life this school of life while we are free to choose our actions we are not free to choose the consequences of those actions consequences are governed by natural law and that's by stephen covey you know, who is like quoted all over the place right now. He's kind of like the quote guy um, in success. Think about that. You're free to choose your actions, but you're not free to choose the consequences of your actions and that consequences are governed by natural law. It's karma. So you can choose because you're empowered to choose by that divine voice that you need to work at understanding. One of the most important things that you're going to learn in the school of life is how to communicate with the voice of your soul. 
because the voice of the soul is the great interpreter of all divine wisdom to take you to graduation day. It is absolutely the most important class you will take. How do I learn to communicate with the voice of my soul? Because the voice of your soul is what will guide you away from actions that have negative consequences and will guide you to the place you want to be in order to succeed, achieve, and master the ego and once and for all understand what it is to walk in pure light and pure understanding so that you can become who you're meant to be. This is by J.J. Dewey. When we increase our power to serve, we increase our power to pay off karma. And I absolutely love that because it's saying so much about what we can do. Because people say, I'm so afraid now that I know all these things I've done. How am I going to undo all this? We can change the ramifications of past behaviors by deciding to become of service to humankind, to the world, to animals, to the less fortunate. As soon as we give of ourselves in a positive way, the good karma that is amplified will destroy the negative karma, which leads us to a place of realizing that we are here in order to not only rid ourselves of what causes this constant evolution into negative reincarnation, we are here to serve others so that they too can graduate. Because as they graduate, we are set free from our own karma. Now, before I end, I'm going to run through and read these things that are by famous people. Th these are famous people who believe in reincarnation. They're amazing quotes and they're amazing people. This is by the Dalai Lama who obviously believes in reincarnation, but the quote itself is amazing. Reincarnation is not an exclusively Hindu or Buddhist concept, nor is it a part of the history of human origin. It is related to the theory of interdependent origination and to the law of cause and effect. Again, that's the Dalai Lama. And of course, most people say, well, of course, he's a Buddhist. But the truth is, he's saying here that it isn't a Buddhist or Hindu concept, that it's a history of human origin, which as you sow, so shall you reap. Whatever you do comes back to you a thousandfold, good and bad. And I absolutely believe that. I have seen it my entire life, and I'm going to have to say I've seen it my entire lifetimes. It's just something that is really important to know because it makes us empowered empowered to choose, empowered to change. And if we want to change, we're empowered to choose how we're going to do this life so that we don't have to come back to it again, so that we can leave gifts here that matter, so we can help others, so that we can reduce and eliminate our own personal karma. This is by Aleister Crowley. Every incarnation that we remember must increase our comprehension of ourselves as who we are. And it's true. Once you start to understand reincarnation and you accept it, you'll see other yous. You'll see other lifetimes. You'll see other aspects of you. Uh, you'll see yourself having gifts that you know you must have had before because you're so great at it now that how could you do that? If you didn't have that gift previously, which you got to bring back into this school of life as part of the gifts you had when you were admitted to this school. It's one of the reasons why I think you can look at a two or three year old who can play like a virtuoso, you know, a violin or a piano, little tiny kids who can come up with ridiculous math equations who are brilliant. Um, little tiny Einsteins and Chopins and Mozarts, uh, th they are coming back from other lifetimes where they had already mastered these brilliant gifts. And in doing so, they can help other people realize that there's more to what is going on than just what you perceive with your eyes. 
And this cycle of evolution of our soul being born over and over and over again until we master this life lends us this powerful ability to see that we have other gifts and talents and tools, whether we graduated from an actual school in life or we didn't, whether we have a degree in something or we don't, because we, we have gifts and tools that are inherently within our soul that are awakened in this school of life when we start going through it with our eyes wide open. This is by Emerson, who I love. Nothing is dead. Men feign themselves dead and endure mock funerals. And later they stand looking out of the window, sound and well in some strange new disguise. It sounds like something Emerson would write. Because it's just saying that it's almost hilarious to him. Um, it's almost a joke to him that people take all the drama about the things that go on in life and death and then they wake up and they're in another body looking out the window. It's, it's a really cool, simple way to look at it. This is Henry Ford and Henry Ford, by the way, the Henry Ford, the car, Henry Ford has, um, many, many different quotes on reincarnation, but this one was shorter. So I chose it. I adopted the theory of reincarnation when I was 26. Genius is experience. Some think that it is a gift or a talent, but it is the fruit of long experience in many lives. And as I said, he's got many. He believed that his ability to invent cars was because he incarnated with this genius mind that was able to, he was able to tap into it, that the tools came with him into this lifetime in for many lifetimes, how and when or where I, I didn't, haven't jumped in to see exactly, but I know he has a lot because I've seen him. So this is out of the Pistis Sophia in the Gnostic gospels, much like a gospel of Mark or John. It's one of the books in the Gnostic gospels. And this is Jesus. Souls are poured from one into another of different kinds of bodies. And that's Jesus talking in the Gnostic teachings. This is somebody named Johann Goethe. As long as you are not aware of the continual law of die and be again, you are merely a vague guest on a dark earth. I really like that quote because it's so important for us to understand that we are not just a guest on this dark earth. We are a part of it. And if we understand that this is an inca incarnation that we're going through and part of the school of life, and we came here to graduate and that we have all the power at our disposal by the choices that we make and choosing to do good and choosing to achieve and choosing to graduate and being empowered to do all those things make this an enlightened place to be and not a lonely, dark place to be. It's a school that we were gifted to come to. It'd be like receiving a grant that was so big you could pick any school you wanted to go, go to or a scholarship to Oxford or Harvard or Yale or any number of colleges that are just magnificent. A, a full-ride scholarship and we said, okay, I'm going to take that. And then the response was, but here's what you have to do. You have to master this life and graduate understanding what it means to live in a world where you are empowered to choose through karmic understanding of this lifetime. And whatever you do and however you do it is coming back. So make sure that you choose it and you choose wisely, that you accept the changes that happen and you go through it with as much grace and magnificent commitment as you can because the students that are in school with you need you to and the students coming after you. This was Socrates. I am confident that there truly is such a thing as living again that the living spring from the dead and that the souls of the dead are in existence. 
That was Socrates. So how far back does that go? This is George Harrison from the Beatles. Friends are all souls that we've known in other lives. We're drawn to each other in each life. And it's so true. And it's such a beautiful, simple thing. The people that I'm closest to, I know I've been with many times, not just now, many times before in the past. And there's a comfort in that because it means that if I choose to do this life right and they choose to do their life right, we will all graduate and be together again in a more blissful, loving, and amazing existence. This is Carl Jung, the great philosopher. I could well imagine that I might have lived in former centuries and there encountered questions I was not yet able to answer that I had been born again because I had not fulfilled the task given to me. I love it. It's really the reason that we are back in the school of life, is that we did not fulfill the task we were given in the last school of life. If we dropped out in any number of ways, which means we quit, and we didn't fulfill the karma that we came to fulfill, and we chose the life of listening to the ego and we skipped out of class because we just didn't feel like doing it, we're back here doing it again. There is no escaping the responsibility of graduating. And I've said that a million times to people. You must graduate. And if you don't graduate, you're going to come back over and over and over again until you do. And what that path is going to look like the next time you come back will be either deeper and more difficult because you did so many things that were still beneath what you should do to graduate from a school of life. Or you could possibly come back and finish up a couple new little things that you just didn't finish this time around. Most people who are here now are old souls getting ready to do the right thing to take responsibility for where they are, to listen to the voice of their soul, guide them through all the classes and all the advisors and all the information that they need. And then lastly, they achieve their graduation prior to them actually leaving this planet so they can help other people. And then this happens, which I absolutely love. And this is out of the Bhagavad Gita. As the blazing fires reduce wood to ashes, similarly, the fire of self-knowledge reduces all karma to ashes. It's such an amazing quote, because if we run around with our head in the sand and we act, uh, I, I can't even say stupid, because it wouldn't, stupid wouldn't even be good enough. We act like we don't have a responsibility to the things that we do or say in this lifetime. If we do that, our heads are buried in the sand and we continue to go through this evolution of coming back to the same school over and over and over again. It'd be like repeating sixth grade hundreds and hundreds of times because we didn't want to go into seventh grade because it was too hard. But as soon as we choose, as soon as we are empowered to choose self-knowledge we reduce karma to ashes. And that's because self-knowledge guides us to the right decisions. Self-knowledge is the voice of the soul, guiding the self to make the right decisions so that we can graduate. We can graduate with a degree, the highest degree possible, and transition from this life to paradise. Thank you for listening. Peace be with you. Peace.